What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. This is an on Sunday episode. That's the episode where the leaders of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. So we call it on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Nathan. And Rob's gone this week. Rob is in sunny Southern California and will be there through the rest of Thanksgiving. I think, yeah, I think he comes back Friday or Saturday. He'll be back by Sunday. So you'll see him all tan and happy. (laughs) Full of of vitamin D. And food, Thanksgiving. (laughs) Him and Ashley are down there. Yes, Ashley also. Yep. I Um, think actually their brother is getting married today. Yeah, it was something. That's right. He's getting married today. Congratulations. They're they're coming for a wedding. Very cool. Wild. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good for them. Exciting. Monday Monday night wedding. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. How was your week, Cody? Uh, my week was good. Uh, let me just let me just offer my condolences first for your devastating loss yesterday to the Rams. That was by oh, one. Point. Oh, that was oh. A, a brutal loss to a team that's been on a slide down. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, Ram, the Rams have been losing, have they not? Oh, the Rams. Well, the Rams have been losing without uh, what's his name, the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, I see. But he's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. But he's back. Oh, okay. And then uh, our quarterback, Geno Smith, was got. Out. Got nailed and, uh, yeah, spent two series on the sidelines with a hurt elbow. <coughs> and our uh, our backup quarterback graciously came in and gifted, Lost the, game gifted the Rams an interception. Oh, <laughs> my god! But then he came back. Geno Smith came back all, you know, gutsy and took us down into field goal range. And our kicker just... Missed it. Just missed it. Uh, they miss them sometimes, you know, and we lost by one. Sometimes the earth speeds up <laughs> a little bit too fast or slows down and yeah. affects f- the I mean, outcomes was, of I games. just thought it would have been in the sun. It was, sun a long, it was a long kick. Like, it, it's, it wasn't a give me for any, oh, okay. for any NFL kicker, but it would have been really cool to make it in that game. <laughs> that would have been more fun. Yeah, <laughs> not for oh, the Rams. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry doing for your loss. But I'm doing okay. I was a little grumpy yesterday for a little bit, but mm. I'm fine now. Okay. I mean, the Huskies took down the Beavers in impressive fashion, so okay. that was still fun to watch. Okay. Um, you know, so it's not like all Seattle sports are going poorly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The Huskies Other- finally cracked the top four. Wow. In college football rankings, which would put them into the playoffs. If, Amazing. If they can win out. So we'll see. Amazing. Thanks to the Beavers being really good, but still losing. <laughs> There's a lot of Beavers fan through lists, right? So yeah. you're, you're they're, right. They're, beavers are very good. This, like They're better than they've been in a very long time. And so it was a really good win for the Huskies. But and, other than that, your week's been good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than that, my week's going going well. Uh, not much to report. We started uh, fourth grade girls basketball. Wow. Um, and so that's that's going now. How Very about you? Cool. Who, Nathan? Uh, either one. Well, I was saying, how about yeah, you? Yeah, Nathan, how'd you, you week go? Me, but we could ask Nathan. Well, it was good. Today we went and got my first In-N-Out wow. burger experience. <laughs> what is it called? What is it? Just In-N-Out? In-N-Out, dude. That's it. That's yeah. it. Oh, wow. First it's out. both a noun and a verb. <laughs> it's what, <yeah>. it's <laughs> what you do. It's what their food does. <laughs> it's the name of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, good experience. The fries were a little spongy. Definitely moving on for what Cody was saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
fries were weirdly like a little spongy. <laughs> That's almost. my only complaint about In and Out <clears throat> is I don't like the texture of the fries. But it wasn't bad. But I learned something new from Cody today about In and Out fries, and you can ask them to double fry them, I yeah. guess, and so they're crispier. Yeah, well and done. it was awesome. I definitely uh, encourage anyone to try that. Mm. Yeah. So, so your, ver- your verdict then on In and Out is. Yeah, overall, it was good. Yeah, like, overall, I mean, a pretty good burger for the price. So, yes, that's it's a right. really good burger for the price. It's a great burger for the price. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably most people's opinion. <laughs> and for sure, biased opinion. I have no qualms about admitting that. <laughs> California. Yeah. And let me, we, I think we need to make a quick little go back to last week, last oh, week's podcast yeah, right. and make a clarification. <laughs> Um, cause I've had, I had one phone call that was <laughs> one phone call that was concerned from a concerned member, uh, and then some other things we mentioned last week on the podcast that Nathan got a job at Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, and some we had, uh, I'll give it this. Our members love us and they love you already, Nathan, yes. and they want to make sure that you're adequately taken care of, um, and so they, there was concern, like, wait, are we not paying Nathan enough? What's going on here, you know? <laughs> and uh, so y- if you could clarify. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to clarify? Okay. It's no. your life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could say whatever I wanted I right now. Well, I'll come in after and correct you. <laughs> so uh, the idea was um, I'm getting this extra job. We're just working like five times a month maybe once a week, just depending on what I can do. Um, and so I can just make extra payments on my student debt so that I can kind of cut that back about half the time I need to pay. Mm. That's the hope. Super that's smart. the goal. That is smart. Um, but I also need a roommate, but that might be something that's prayers are answered for too. We'll for see. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, having yeah. the roommate is just a great, uh, opportunity to, you know, make a little extra money on the rent there, which is cool. But, um, I had multiple roommates and that's just the way it is mm-hmm. when, before, obviously before I got married. Um, but yeah, no, that's cool. I, I actually feel ho- like horrible for people who have like so much student loan debt and it's just, you got to hustle mm-hmm. and uh, get that stuff paid off, you know? Yeah. And so kudos that you're... Well, whatever happened to, uh, weren't we supposed to be able to go like work in the nonprofit sector? And just have it forgiven. Well, that was true. And then for it like, like, and then it like didn't happen. That's that's. I don't think that's totally true. If you go work for like a church, mm. that's true. If you go and work for like, like the, a school or like a, ah, a okay. or a not a not not just any nonprofit um, that you could get for, like after you've paid on your loans for ten years, then yeah. you get like the rest of it forgiven or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about that too, but it's not something you really want to. And I have private loans, on. not government loans. Yeah. So oh, it's that another one. thing. So you know what we should do is free college. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Are you sure it wasn't your daughter? <laughs> Just your daughter? We're gonna move on. We should do free Communism. college and free healthcare and <laughs> free, free, free. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, yes. Olivia said that to me the other day. She was like, "Dad, why can't everything just be free?" And I'm like, well, then nothing, everything would be worth nothing then. You say, say, Olivia, everything could be free, but then you wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
<laughs> wow, write that one down. That is so true. Wow. That is so true. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So you had it in we and out. We got way off topic. You had in and out. You you've got. We've made a clarification. <laughs> we've hopefully put some people at ease. And uh, I mean, we're not paying him a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's getting rich for sure. <laughs> and uh, the yeah, there's always room to grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of uh, one of our students, uh, the very first day Nathan was at youth group. And he was playing a game, and I asked, "What prize should Nathan win if he if he wins this game?" And uh, Clayton Hewlett tried to give him a raise right there. <laughs> I said, his "Give first, him a raise." His first day, I was like, "I like this guy." <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, "I'm not authorized to give raises." <laughs> but oh you did win gosh. a mini fridge, and you I got did. it in your That's office. True. That's funny. <laughs> um, my week. Oh, I don't know. I did. I guess I pretty much had a normal week this week. Wrote a sermon, <laughs> and then um, I don't know. Sometimes I get here to Monday, and I've like totally blanked on the what happened mm-hmm. last week. I do know that there was we had a great baptism on Sunday. Yeah, Lori Coppage got baptized. Her testimony was so good, and kudos to Rob because he coached. He coaches everybody through writing their testimony out. Um, and so he spent a lot of time with her helping her craft, uh, how to, how to word her story really well. Uh, so kudos to him. I know I, I slammed him pretty hard for not filling the baptistry up on time. (laughs) So the water was really cold for us. Uh, but not everyone listening to the podcast necessarily knows that though. So that's true. Well, you could have just not mentioned it. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it anyway. <laughs> he did more good than harm. That's for sure. <clears throat> no, it's 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 such a hard thing to remember. Like, it's not like an every week task to remember mm-hmm. turning the baptism uh, or baptistry yeah. on because we gotta do it the day before, and it just like spaces your mind. Um, <clears throat> but she just did such a great job, and she was a total sport about it too. Um, mm-hmm. And we had gotten the water warmed up at least a decent amount, so it wasn't horrible. But yeah, um, yeah, just, she was just one indoor camping stove later, and <laughs> yeah, we warmed it up a little bit, <laughs> moving some water from the hot water heaters downstairs. But it it worked <laughs> out pretty well. Uh, but she did a great job, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I'm excited to see how the Lord uses her and her husband Johnny in our church, and uh, and the church in their lives. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, that was. Kind of a highlight. Of yeah, the really sure. cool, really special too. It was yeah. nice, nice, nice to yeah. be part of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So should we keep moving? Let's on? jump Let's right move in, on. dude. Well, I thought maybe we could just read the passage. We haven't read the passage in a while because we've been in bigger yeah, it's a ones. Shorter but this one. one is yeah, fairly short. Although I turned my uh, iPad to a different direction, and so now I'm not in the right spot. But here it is. This is uh, John four. Uh, starting in verse 46 through the end. 43. Uh, 43 to the end, yes, the the pickup to the rest of the story. Uh, After two days he departed for Galilee. He is Jesus. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum, 
there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Mm. And that was our passage. And Aaron, what was your main point on there? I don't remember. It was... <laughs> it's right here. I'll get it then if oh. you don't remember. <laughs> it was saving faith occurs not by seeing, but by believing in God's word. Mm-hmm. Nice. Was there, as I mean, as we jump in, was there anything that you wished you could have talked about more but didn't mm. have time? That's kind of the nice part about the podcast. Or yeah. we could move on to some other questions. Um. Yeah, I think that I... I was mentioning this to you guys earlier. I I think that I if I would have had more time, I would have teased out the gospel connection to because he heals this man's son, effectively bringing him from death back to life. Yeah, and sort of the question of the passage in that sense is who is this who can bring life from certain death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, as you read forward into the gospel of John, Jesus himself is raised from the dead, literally having been crucified, buried. Um, and, and it wasn't just a restoration of life. This was a resurrection to a whole new life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have made the connect. I, I feel like I would have made the connection a little bit stronger if I had the time. Um, just to say, like, this man believed in Jesus and his words, believed in his ability to bring, to restore his son's life from, again, from a certain death. It wouldn't be then that hard for this man several years later hmm. or a- after he put his faith in Jesus because of seeing what he did here and, and ultimately believing that he had the ability to do it, to believe that Jesus could be raised again from the dead after being crucified. Um, so what little he knew about him from this instance, it, it's breadcrumbs leading to an ultimate end. Well, if he can do this, he can certainly do that. Yeah. Um, and so I think making, I could have teased that out a little bit more. It's not like it wasn't there, but I could have teased that out a little bit more. Anytime you can make the cross more clear (laughs) is, uh, is definitely, Maybe maybe this is my critique of any sermon. You know, I was like, I think I could have made the cross more clear. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, even if you make it super clear, you could still hit it harder and harder just because it's the power of the cross, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was something that maybe I thought about. Um, I don't know. Do the, you have an answer to your own question? The, well, this isn't in, my, in the notes of things we were going to discuss, but I was reminded of it as we read through it. Um, did you look at uh, verse 50? Mm. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And then again in verse 53, 
and he himself believed in all his household after hearing that it happened. Yeah. Is that, is that like he, there's layers to belief. He believed and then he really believed that he believed in the word, but now he believes in Jesus, the person, or yeah. is that just, you know, just the way they wrote it and there's not like a, a really deep significance to pull apart of he believed and then he believed, believed again. Yeah. I, I think in that sense, like what has changed in the first instance, he, be, he's, <laughs> he believed yet he did not see mm-hmm. in the second he saw and then believed like he saw his son assumingly like, and then his whole household believed. I think that faith is an interesting thing um, because as you're walking in your obedience to the word of God, right? Like I, I read something and then it's like, well, I don't really know how that works, but let me try this out. And mm-hmm. then you try it and then you experience the fruit of it. And now you believe it, not just because of what he told you, but because you've experienced yeah. it. Yeah. And I, so I think there is now, What's interesting is you, that keeps happening, that keeps growing, whether it's like, you know, his presence in suffering. Well, I believe that he's present in suffering. But then when you suffer and you experience his presence in suffering, then you're like, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> like, I, I knew what it meant by faith and in my mind, but now I know what it means by experience. And then as you continue to walk with Jesus for years and years, you're going to keep having that same experience, but just in different avenues and different categories of your life. Um, so I, I think that this man experienced uh, faith and then the effect of faith later on yeah. with, with the actual seeing of the miracle. Uh, and I, I've, I guess I've used this illustration before, but I'll use it again here just for the sake of clarity. Um, when, when I came here to this church, like I didn't know what regular preaching of the Bible does in the life of the church, but I believed that God saves by his word. I believe God created the world by his word. I believe that God sanctifies people by his word. Right? I believe all these things because this is what the Bible says, how all that works. I have no idea. And I, and I believe that it happens through the preached word, because mm. this is what you see in scripture and, and not just preached from the pulpit, but preached in small groups and preached in one-on-one, you know what I mean? So, okay, well, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Every other sort of book written since the nineties on how to build a church is going to give you marketing strategies and, and, uh, business practices for how to build a, an organization that you would call a church. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's what the Bible says, though, how mm. you build a church. So the pull from world and culture is to do it this way. But then scripture, and that makes sense from like a human perspective, a naturalistic perspective. So then when the world tells you, or when the word tells you, nah, just preach the word and watch a church will show up. <laughs> That's like a radical step of faith Hmm. to say that that's how that works. Yeah. But that's what, isn't that what it says in Hebrews? By faith, we believe that the world was made Hmm. through God. You know, it's like, I I mean, I wasn't there, so I just have to believe what the word says, you know, and see everything else by that experience. So now what I'm, my point is, is now that I've been doing it for six years, I, now I have experienced 
what by what I only saw by faith six years ago hmm. when I first started. Now I've I've had so many experiences with pastoring and with the church and just how God grows people, transforms their lives. Like I actually can say, look at this person and look at what's happened. Look at these people and look at what's happened. So I think, and and because of that, my faith actually has grown even more um, by actually seeing mm. it happen. Uh, mm. The miracle of transformation and the miracle of uh, salvation and all those kinds of things. Anyway, that's an yeah. example of what I think, how that works out in faith and why there's it's mentioned twice yeah, yeah in yeah. the passage. Right. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I think even like there's, yeah, even a third layer to that, to this man's belief, <coughs> it's not stated. It's not the word believe again, but he, uh, he believed obviously initially coming to Jesus believed that Jesus could do something. Yes. You yeah. know? And then after being with Jesus finds out, Jesus is actually willing to do something yeah. too. He he said he did or said he would, and, mm -hmm. and then finds out again that yeah, what he did is accomplished. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he came to believe, and mm -hmm. his and his household definitely has a fuller meaning than just the word, the specific word Jesus spoke. Like yeah. there's a yeah, there yeah. seems to be like this cyclical kind of nature to belief where. The more you believe, the more you will believe. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the opposite is true is of sin, too. The more you sin, the easier it gets, and you just fall into like a hole of despair. And the same is true with belief, where it's like when you believe and you put that faith and trust, and you, as you said, see the fruit, you believe even more. I mean, anybody, any one of us who's been a Christian for years can look back and say, like, wow, how much more do I believe than I did then? Yeah. And yet, how much more do I have to go? Like right. there's still so much more yeah. to go. And so we just got to keep making those kind of choices for sure. Um, of belief, which is a good, a good segue to another thing we were discussing. And you mentioned it in your sermon. You said that this man believed what, what he knew of Jesus. And yeah. you said, you mentioned, think of everything this guy does not know yet. Yeah. And you even said it a little bit <clears throat> already in this podcast that that coming into the future he was about to hear of this Jesus crucified maybe hear of this Jesus risen from the dead depending on who went and shared the gospel with them right um but that's kind of a question we were debating around a little bit and maybe it's worth discussing is how much do you have to know about Jesus for your faith and your belief in that to be a saving faith yeah like cuz he mm. only knew of this Jesus who could do miracles went to him and this Jesus did a miracle for him. Mm -hmm. um, maybe he could know of a Messiah and that Jesus possibly was that. We don't know, but probably he maybe had that frame of reference. It mm -hmm. sounds like he was also Jewish or maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Um, um, but how much do you have to know about Jesus to come to a saving faith yeah. in him? A faith that actually is a conversion that results in being indwelt with the Holy spirit yeah. and having new desires and a new heart and being in heaven with right. him someday. Uh, yeah. What, how much what do you have to know? How much do you have to know? So, or maybe another way of phrasing that, how much of the revelation of God mm. do you need to, does he have to give you in order to save you? Uh, because the information 
that we have about God is what he has revealed to us. Yeah. yeah. And so I think whatever that measure is, whatever it is, we have to believe it. So let me just go all the way back to Genesis 12. I think Abraham was saved. Because that not that kind of what it says about um, he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness? Yes. Okay. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, his faith, not, not just the works, not, not his works, but his faith, his belief. What did he know? It was just the Abrahamic call in Genesis 12, go from your country and I'm going to send you to a place that you've never been effectively, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. And he he gives them all these promises, and what, he believed. Did, did that promise include that? Is that the, every nation of the world would be blessed through him, or is that come? Ev- yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that is. I it, will it, bless you. Yeah, and I will through you bless all the nations of the earth. Right? Because you could argue that would include. That includes Christ now. Yes. So right? with that part that that because that's that is how every nation of the world became blessed through Israel. Through was Israel. that Christ came through Israel. That's right. So that does include Christ, but it doesn't have very much information. Doesn't even say Christ or Jesus. No. Yeah. And th- and this is the unfolding drama of redemptive history. Yeah. Is God's plan becomes clearer and clearer. This is what Paul calls the mystery of the gospel mm. is revealed in Christ, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, Abraham didn't know a lot, but he knew God was real. <laughs> he knew what God was personal. He knew God had a plan to save both Abraham mm-hmm. and other nations, and it was going to be somehow through Abraham and through his seed. That's like, that was all he went off of and he believed it. And I believe mm-hmm. that Abraham was saved as a result of that. Well, he, it says it. He was, yeah. it was credited oh, yeah. as righteous because of his faith in the little bit of information that he knew. Um, so now let's fast forward to this guy. He knew that Jesus, um, I mean, assumingly believed something about him being divine or some sort of like a rabbi for sure, but someone who had abilities to bring someone back to life. Supernatural power. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he wasn't asking him to turn water to wine, you know? He was asking him to raise his son from the dead, basically. Mm-hmm. And so who has the ability to do something like that other than God, who gives life? So I think it's implied in the story that this man believed some things about Jesus based on what he had heard of him and therefore came and asked him based on his character uh, to do this thing for him. So I, yeah, I think that someone needs to know, I mean, now we have so much revelation. Yep. Like this guy is getting this promise from Jesus prior to the cross and resurrection at this point now, post the cross and resurrection. I don't know if someone can be saved without under, without hearing the message of the cross and the resurrection. Um, because it's already happened back then they looked forward and yet dimly, we look mm-hmm. backward and we have such a clearer picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, someone has to believe in the death and resur- death, you know, the atoning death of, of Christ for our sins and the resurrection to new life. Uh, they have to actually believe that those things took place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where is it? How, how will they believe unless someone tells them? Yeah. Yeah. That's Romans 10. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that implies 
that right. now that we have this revelation, yeah, and Romans we need one. to share all of it for right. someone to come to a, a belief in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in Romans 10, it says, so based on the this knowledge, this information, you have to then confess mm-hmm. that Christ is Lord and and believe in him basically as Savior, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, this sort of dual function of Christ, right? He's both Lord and Savior, saving from my sins and yet worthy of my obedience and whole life. So you have to make that confession based off of your understanding of who Jesus is and what he did, his his character and his works. So I don't know. I mean, but I don't think you need to know how all that worked. <laughs> like, uh, that's what discipleship is. And I mean, you tease all that out. You don't yeah. have to understand completely the Trinity, yeah. <laughs> but you do have to understand like how that works. But you do have to understand that Father, Son, and Spirit, because that's what we're baptized into, yeah. Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, yeah, so there's some things that you need to know, which is why I don't think you can really lead someone who's never heard of the gospel, never heard anything, to faith in Christ in five minutes. Hmm. Like, I think it takes some time to really persuade. I mean, look at Paul. Dude. He spent days persuading people mm-hmm. to believe in Jesus. Um, sometimes weeks pers- trying to persuade people from the scriptures to believe how to believe in Jesus and why to believe in Jesus. So I think it takes some time um, to really tease all those things out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> Jesus just did it with the Samaritans. They're yeah. like, stay with two us. Days and there. he two stayed days, and yeah. explained. And at the end of two days is when they were saying, we now don't just believe the thing you said. We now believe in this person himself. Like mm, the word from him, yeah. his very words yeah. that we're believing in him as a person, which is an interesting on that point. Uh, I made a similar point that you made in your sermon uh, for the youth group on that point that the Samaritans like, isn't it interesting how readily they received this teaching, like that they heard there might be a Messiah and they went and they're like, stay with us, teach us. Um, and that unfortunately, oftentimes, uh, it's the people less familiar with what we're talking about that are more ready to hear it and more happy Mm. to receive the teaching where someone, uh, you know, the Samaritans are, are way outside of the people that Jesus is coming through Mm -hmm. too they're not like far away in distance but they were outsiders you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and that the insiders often sometimes it's more difficult to share uh faith with them because they're so familiar with it and that was a point that you made today that often or made in the the sermon this week that often that's a difficult person to really uh bring to a saving faith in jesus when they feel like they're familiar with it or maybe it's like it's like kids stories because they started hearing it and, right. and, you know, in Sunday school and it feels like silly stuff to them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, we were thinking about that as well. Is there, what's the point, you know, where you, we've talked a little bit, what do you have to know about Jesus in order to have a saving faith? At what point do you know that the things you think you believe about Jesus are real faith, mm-hmm. real sincere mm. converting faith in your heart, soul. Uh, because I, you know, I raised my kids teaching them the Bible. Yeah. And I feel that pull in between me. Like, you know, they're, sometimes they're young enough. When they were young enough, I could have come home and told them, we're not Christians anymore. I just found out it's all not true. 
Yeah. And they'd be like, they'd be shocked. But they would be like, wow, okay, what is true? And yeah. I could mm-hmm. teach them something else. Right. And they'd believe that. Sure. At, at what point, like you said, you're not born a Christian. You're not made a Christian yeah. by your parents or by a program. When do you become a Christian? I asked Tylen this. We've been discussing a book. I asked Tylen about her faith. You know, if her faith is uh, is her own. Hmm. I said, like, if, you're, if your mom and I started not being Christians and we told you you weren't allowed to be either. Like, would you be hiding a Bible under your bed and reading it every chance you got and counting down the days till you could move out of our house and go (laughs) back to church again? (laughs) And she was like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like at what point is it, is it a real faith and how do you know? And what should you be asking yourself Mm. if you're not sure? I'm kind of the wrong guy to ask on this because I wasn't raised in the church. And I think that's kind of where this is coming from. Like, I think a lot of people who were raised in the church have like maybe a season. I I remember Peter Hostetler shared uh, in the men's huddle about like his testimony. And he moved out of his parents' house. He was going to school. Uh, I think he was learning how to build boats or something like that, be like a boat architect. Um, and it just, he had a real trial when he moved away and like the, the living situation in the school and all of these things. And he like cried out to God in this like really bad situation. And I think, and, and God delivered him, you know, and he would probably have said like he had a genuine faith before, but I think there was trials have a way of testing the genuineness of faith Mm. and trials have a way of proving genuine saving faith. So, so if you don't really have it, then it'll, the trial will burn whatever faith you have up like chaff because that's what it is. It's just Mm -hmm. fake. But if you, if it's true, if it's, refined gold, right? Then it will purify it and reveal genuine saving faith. So I think that like with my kids, right? I'm a 10 and an eight and a half. I, I want to see them go through a, a like a good little trial, <laughs> like h- how they manage maybe a season of their lives or something like that, where I see the way they handled that was f- full of faith in what God was. Now I'm already seeing little seeds of it, you know? But I want to see them go through something where it's like, okay, yeah, like they've definitely, it's not just like a confession. Now it's, they were actually walking it out Mm -hmm. um, through, through a a season. I think this dad had to do that. Like he had to walk it out. I, I kind of put him down a little bit where he only came to Jesus when the bottom fell out. But sometimes the Lord uses that. Yeah, usually that's when. That's usually it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in a hopeless situation you know, when I became a Christian, which, by the way, on Wednesday is my spiritual birthday. Yeah. 19, 19 years. Happy birthday. Wow. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Day before Thanksgiving, 2004. Next year will be 20 years. Wow, you're old. I know. But one thing that I've said. <laughs> what a, what a you jerk. You just threw that jab in and then <laughs> like. 
That's He's, not even an uppercut. That's like just a, a gut punch. Chicken dude. move. Wow, yeah, like anyway. You moved fast. Well, in on. spiritual years, that's great. Physical years, less so. Wow. <laughs> You're going to hit 40 soon. Forties are the new twenties. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's what you're saying to yourself now. That's how you know. No, I read true. that. I read that. In I People, read that in People magazine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cosmo. Gotcha. <laughs> but anyway, you were you saying, young man, serious things. <laughs> the young people are the serious ones. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> but um, dealing with students, and you know, they are the people who kind of grow up in church. Some of them not, but a lot of them are. Um, one thing is even with kids who like are wanting to be baptized and just how do you know, mm-hmm. like whether this is a sincere faith. And the one thing that I can usually see pretty clearly um, is how they deal with sin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do they respond to it? What's their reaction to the discipline from it? And hmm. like, and I, I usually don't know these things all that much. So I'm usually like talking to the parents like. When you did this thing, did you discipline them? How mm. did that go? Yeah. And like, because if a kid says they believe in Jesus and they do a lot of great things like in the church or and they have some, they know a lot, but then if they're also, also like throwing things when their parents are trying to punish them or discipline them or, or if they just get to do whatever they want, whenever yeah. they want, it's like, that's probably not the greatest sign. It could be a sign yeah. of like maybe the parents, yeah. but it's tough. Yeah. But I know that. Stories I've heard where people have kind of said, well, I don't know if I was a Christian, but after this moment, like you were saying, this big moment, I knew I was. It's usually because they either couldn't do anything else but believe in him and give Mm. like trust in him or they saw their sin and how evil and wretched it was. Mm. And they like didn't want that anymore. Yeah. And they wanted the righteousness, Mm. that good, like the good that Jesus brings. Mm -hmm. And so they see their need for Jesus, whether it's because all the bottom falls out or they see their need for Jesus because they see how much of a wicked person they are. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah. And it's hard with kids because you know, they're kids. Yeah. Yeah, They're still learning. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's why some, there are churches that like don't baptize, Mm -hmm. you know, don't baptize new believers unless they're 18, they're adults or, or the the one I was reading, I think they said that they 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 only baptize adults, but they would consider like someone who is maybe sixteen has a mm-hmm. car, can drive, has a job, like responsibility. They've, they've, they've demonstrated some sort of ability to be autonomous from their parents. Interesting. And without that, like autonomousness, go for it, man. From their parents, like autonomy, uh, autonomy. Thank <laughs> My you. My goodness. <laughs> Without a, without <laughs> that actually is, was a really easy word. <laughs> <laughs> Easier. <laughs> um, without that autonomy from their parents, like they just say, like we can't really confirm you're a Christian, sure, because we have no idea what you would be like without the rule and authority of your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I f- it's funny because I kind of like lean toward that. But I also kind of think it's unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's good argument. I mean, when kids go off to college, it's usually the time where a lot fall away. Yeah. But. And so even then. You like, can't base even it then, just off of that, though. That also shows that it's like kind of a flawed system. Exactly. Because you just baptize an 18-year-old who walks away from the church at 21. You, mm-hmm. Were you wrong? What You know, it's kind of, it's the chaos of it all. But that's that's where things like, you know. Uh, praying a prayer or walking an aisle 
or you know uh, premature and not intentional baptism processes as some churches do spontaneous baptisms you know where it's not meaningful and it's not mm. well defined mm-hmm. that it, as I use the the uh, illustration it vaccinates people from the gospel uh, I I mean as you guys know like I've done a lot of street witnessing I used to be a part of event style evangelism. I've had, I can't even tell you how many conversations with people uh, where I, I, I literally have had those reactions. Oh, I, I did that. I prayed that prayer once. I, I did that thing. I'm good. And it literally for them is the like, get out of hell free card. Mm-hmm. It's the like Christian hall pass. And then you, but if you like are, if you're able to get them to have a conversation with you and you, you start asking them like, well, well, how do you know like that you're a Christian? Like, how do you have assurance of that? Um, they just appeal to these works that they've done. And it's like, but that's not how you're saved, you know? Mm. And so that's, you could, I mean, some people came up to me and said that I got a little passionate in my sermon on Sunday. It's like, well, when you've had the like volume of conversations that I've had with people mm. where I'm like, oh my gosh, the hardest people to reach are people who think they're already reached. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they think they're already Christians. Yeah. But then when you start asking them, they're like, that's not what a Christian is. That's yeah. not w- how you become a Christian. And they like, they're not ready. They're not receptive to even talk about Jesus. They're almost embarrassed or ashamed. And then they just walk away and, and, I'm not like uh, badgering them. I'm not the guy with the like mean sign on the corner, you know, making them feel <laughs> bad about themselves. I'm just having a, I know their name. I'm getting to know them. And so they're harder to reach is my point. And, uh, but they appeal to these things. And I just think we need to do a better job when we disciple people to not rush through a process because we're really just doing it for ourselves, mm. for our own conscience. Like, uh, Yeah. So, and I mean, I get it. You know, we want our, our kids to be saved, you know, so then pray for them, but we don't have to rush in and get them baptized, you know, and give them some false assurance or yourself, some false assurance that that's the thing that saves them or, or pressure, manipulate them to pray a prayer. And that's, what's going to do it. You know, like that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's good. Because familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. was kind of the, well, and I think, I think, yeah. You both have touched on it a little bit now, like the the what happens when your faith, your belief in Jesus includes something that you don't really like, <laughs> right? Like you mm. said it, like when your kids go through a trial, you're wondering how they'll respond then or how you respond to correction of your sin. Now, all of a sudden, your faith in Jesus includes some things you don't really like. And is your faith still there? Or yeah. are you like, this is not, and it, and it, it was part of this story too, in the sense that the, the crowds, the, the Jewish people that came, uh, clearly were not there because of a belief in <coughs> Jesus. It was because of the things they saw him do yeah. and what that thing represented to them. And that's what we all do that in some sense, come to Jesus excited about what we think what we've decided we think Jesus represents yeah. more than what Jesus really is. Yeah. Um, and you, so you included like the, the clearing of the temple as a, something that people would look at and see a, a social justice component to, and yeah. maybe they're excited about 
the social justice Jesus or the water into wine, how that the people could see that as just like a miracle of a blessing of wealth of like uh, abundance. And people might be excited about this miracle working yep. blessing abundantly Jesus. Yeah. Um, but not really know about this like Lord of my life, <laughs> leader yeah. of my life, Jesus. Um, and so I don't know, are there other ways that, that we do that. I, for some reason, the bumper st- uh, have you ever seen the bumper sticker? I think it's a Gandhi quote that's like, I, I like your Christ. Uh, I just don't like your Christians. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. whatever it is. You know, I think it was Gandhi. But uh-huh. like this idea that like, <laughs> this idea that there'd be something to like about Christ or, or even people do like, you know, uh, servant leadership. That's a good like way to run a business and you'll probably be successful doing that. Like there's different things about Jesus that we like kind of pick and choose and say, I like this, I like this Jesus thing. Yeah. But obviously like something is missing. A component is missing that, uh, you know, that if it got harder, like Thailand today, I said, she learned, she learned about how awesome communism is. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I don't know if you have come from an idealistic perspective. I don't, I don't know if you have come to a full, understanding of communism yeah (laughs) like your belief in your belief in this type of communism seems pretty sincere but if you experienced the full historical content of communism do you still believe in it yeah and that's kind of like where we are with jesus right yeah it seems like you have a sincere belief in this part of jesus yeah but there's a fuller picture and i don't know if you've submitted to that yet right Mm. yeah i mean i think a lot yeah there's as many uh, yeah. uh, as there are as people is uh-huh. like opinions on yeah. what they would think about Jesus, you know? Yep. But I was even listening to, cause Matthew Perry, the actor from friends just yeah, yeah, yeah. died. And I was watching these clips of him talking about when, when he was young, he prayed to God. He was, he was literally saying this. He prayed to God and asked God to make him famous. This is what he, this is what he prayed. And he was like, and three weeks later, he walked in that belief. He walked. He said, <laughs> "So listen to this." Three weeks later, he got the contract for Friends. Whoa! And 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 then he was like, and you know what happened? I became emptier than ever. Mm, yeah. And and so it's what I'm saying. And I may mention this in my sermon. Like sometimes God will give you oh. what you want, and but then you walk away, and you don't like. So then he starts talking about how then I got older and I prayed, God, deliver me from this addiction. Yeah. And he was like, and you know what? There were times that he did. And and like it was interesting, like how he was talking about God. Mm-hmm. And yet his end of the bargain, it never really ended up like he was always looking for something from God, but never wanting God. Mm-hmm. And that's where my title came from, magician or messiah. Like, is he just somebody who dishes out like things for you to entertain you or to get you through a season. He's got cool tricks, but then he's not actually like anything more than that um, for you deliverer, savior, somebody that's worthy of giving your whole life to um, and making personal sacrifices or is he a means to your ends? Mm. And I think that's kind of the, kind of the question to be asked now again with this dad, he came looking and and God can use those moments to actually break in and reveal himself. Yeah. But I think we just as preachers, as pastors, as Christians who are wanting to evangelize, 
We just need to do the best job that we can do to make sure that we're presenting the whole gospel. And Tim Keller had this good phrase that said, the effects of the gospel is not the gospel. And Hmm. so when we preach things like God will give you joy, God will give you peace, he'll give you hope, he'll give you meaning and purpose in life, all true, but those are all effects of faith in the gospel, which is what God did in Christ when he sent his son into this world to live the life I couldn't live, to die the death that I deserved, and then rise again from the grave. Like, those are all things that he did. Now, what happens to me when I believe in that? I have meaning. I have purpose. I have a a new joy. I have a relationship with God. Um, Like, he did all of those things for that. But if you... If you believe in the gospel, i.e. the effects of the gospel, then you're a lot like the person that Jesus talked about in that parable with the seed that was sown among the thorns or the rocks. You sprout up quickly. Dude, yeah, give me this Jesus who's going to give me joy. And then a trial hits and you're like, dude, I tried that whole Jesus thing. It didn't work. Yeah, It's like, well, well, you believed in only a part of the gospel. Mm. The effect of it, you didn't actually hear the gospel, which was, you're going to have to suffer. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus suffered for you, and you're going to suffer with him as you put sin to death in your own life, as you still experience the effects of sin in the world and all of these things. Um, and yeah. and then you're going to have to deny yourself like the pleasures of this world and the stuff that is the among thorns, right? It gets choked out for the love of this world. I, I think that there's a lot of shallow gospel preaching out there. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of that is on us. On the preacher. On yeah. Us, yeah. Or us or uh, the friend who's yeah. sharing the gospel, the youth pastor, the whatever that is like presenting it. Um, because yeah, you, you want to, you want to make it, uh, what's the word? Like winsome. You want it, like you want appealing. them, you want them to want it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but you have to want them to want it with the full truth. I think sometimes that's it. That's like calling to them, drawing attention to the fact that, like, I, I sincerely believe this is the best thing you can do with your life. Yeah. But part of parts of your life that you like right now might get worse. Yeah. When you follow this, right? right. It's like the, we've, we've, we're back on a Chronicles of Narnia kick, you know, where they're like, yeah, Aslan, dude, is he safe? Yeah. And they're like, heck no, dude. He's a freaking lion. <laughs> yeah. He's dangerous. Dude, he could tear some stuff up, but he's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's gonna tear up some parts of your life, but he's it's gonna be good. Yeah. It's gonna be, you know, the best thing for you. Um, but it's not easy and it's not always safe. <laughs> I remember, I mean, now that I just said I'm I celebrating my spiritual birthday. Um when I be I, and I knew all of this. When I became a Christian, I knew that. I knew, like, I made fun of Christians. So I knew if I became a Christian, I was going to get made fun of. <laughs> I, I knew. Yeah. What an ironic way to learn that yeah, lesson. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I, knew, I knew what I was getting myself into to a large degree. I didn't think that this was going to now make me cool or popular or accepted. Um, I knew that it would actually affect my work. I, I was, I knew like, if I become a Christian, my boss is going to fire me. Like, I just, I knew all of these things. I, and I, I sort of had this like brief moment of like what I would only call like a 
my life flashing before me. And I thought, I could, if I become a Christian, I could, I could lose everything right now, even if I'm not a Christian, because that's how fleeting life is. Hmm. If I become a Christian, I could lose everything because I became a Christian, which by the way, I did. My boss did fire me. My girlfriend did eventually break up with me. Like a lot of things, like my, I did lose all of my friends, like all of this happened. But I remember thinking, but if I have Jesus and I lose everything, I still have everything Yeah, because I have Jesus. And it takes that sort of, I, I think that some people can preach that message, but others are only going to hear what they want to hear. Yeah. So we still need to do the best job that we can do to preach what we want to preach. Now, what I'm saying is I felt like God was just saying that to me because the guy who was preaching the gospel in that moment didn't say any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever he was saying made me think those things mm. in my mind. And so I felt like the Lord was obviously speaking into me in that moment via mm. the Spirit. Yeah. Um, but you have to come to that place where you recognize, like, I'm giving it all to Jesus and I could literally lose all and I'm totally cool with that. Maybe on some level, I'm actually excited about it because mm. some of these things in my life are actually destroying my life yeah, <laughs> and, and sucking my joy away or my meaning or purpose or whatever. Um, so yeah, when you're like, man, everything else is kind of worthless, actually. Like as Paul talks about, everything else that I put value in kind of is like trash now. <laughs> He's a little bit more aggressive. He but is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of trashy. <laughs> I won't yeah. say. I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Anyway, those are my thoughts on that. But that's where, like, I talk about the the again vaccinated to the gospel, immunized to the gospel is they've received a synthetic version of the gospel. Mm-hmm. He'll give you joy. He'll give you. Who's not going to come to Jesus with that? Yeah, Ever, anybody. You know, like. Anyone will walk down an aisle and walk out onto a field if you're telling them Jesus is going to make you more joyful. No moron is going to stay in his seat. Everyone's (laughs) going to walk down for that. But when you start saying, hey, you're going to have to actually, like, stop sinning. You're going to actually have to, like, break up with that relationship more than likely. Be accountable. Um, You're going to have to deny yourself. Like, all of these things. Like, let's see how many people walk down. With it, with a message like that, but that's I feel like also a major part of the gospel message in regard to my response to it, right? How mm-hmm. I respond to the gospel. Um, even yeah, anytime you mention sin, I mean these are the things that are foolishness to man, uh, and someone you're not necessarily willing to accept that information <laughs> at face value. Yeah, um, it, you know it in your heart, but it's not like you're re- ready to make that public right away. So. I feel like we just need to do a better job in our evangelism of making sure that before we immediately like baptize someone or give them any assurance of salvation, uh, put some banner up saying, welcome to the family of God. That's probably not what we should do until we've actually seen like an appropriate response. Yeah. Because all we're doing is giving them a synthetic version of the gospel and then vaccinating them to when the true gospel comes. Now, can God break through the synthetic vaccination of course he can yeah absolutely but yeah and does and does all the time even the ones that we've been a little i mean yeah like your street evangelism or your all call baptism services like there's people 
who had a saving faith reaction to what they heard and what they experienced and they are being discipled well. And, uh, that happens, you know? And I mean, even people who hear just, (coughs) just the nice, you know, cushy, cool, fun parts of the gospel and respond to that, but learn the rest over time that still had a sincere, or like you said, you listen to a guy and you know, he wasn't sharing the gospel very well, but somehow you were understanding the depth of the gospel through the, the spirit right. working in your life, you mm-hmm. know, so that all happens. So that's the hard, you know, part where on some level we trust God yeah, to do the work that, that we can't do. For sure. I mean, especially when it comes to like raising kids or teaching kids in the church or whatever it is like, well, I mean, what's our other option? Like, like, you know, we like, we raise them as atheists and then, and then, <laughs> and then hope that someone else shares the gospel with them and they convert or like, are we somehow obligated to like give an, an equally, uh, an equally eloquent presentation of every worldview right. and then see if they still choose Christianity? Like, no, like obviously right. none of that can be expected of us. Um, so we still do what we must do. Right. I mean, and I think Nathan, you mentioned it, right? If as you were describing this like immunization to the gospel that that kids who are raised in the church can experience, you were wondering where it was going because you're like, surely you're not saying don't do this because <laughs> yeah. that would be completely against the Bible. Yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah, whatever I, you meant by that. You know? Yeah, I mean it's clear in Deuteronomy, especially where it's like, raise your children in the Lord, teach them the precepts, and they will not leave the path. And although we know that's like a a prom or a command of God that usually leads to this promise, it's not always per se, but. Our job isn't to save whether we're parents or teachers or preachers or whatever. Our job is to be faithful with what God gives us. Great right. point. And whether you're a parent, you need to be faithful as a parent. You want every parent who is a Christian wants their children to be saved. Mm-hmm. That's just if you're a true Christian parent, you want your children to be saved. Yeah. And I understand like seeing your children grow older and not believing these things is probably one of the hardest things. Yeah. But you can't like blame that on yourself because you're not the one who saves. You're the one who was, who needs to be faithful. Where could you have been more faithful? Probably. Sure. But the Lord's not looking for that. He's just looking for you to be faithful with what he has given you. And usually he blesses that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been kind of joking <laughs> the last like two weeks about an- another youth group who we had some students here. Who took who oh, took yeah. a test oh. a test on the Bible, <laughs> and our students, and this is not like a brag. This is just fact. This yeah. is just what happened. Well, because we haven't it is we haven't happened. we haven't taught them a comprehensive. It's, <laughs> it's not like we actually have any uh, any ownership over their success sure. or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> our our students who are you know a part of this group did really well on this Bible test where the rest of the students that go to another youth group bombed. But then... <laughs> and we don't even know if that's an accurate statement. These kids can be coming from all over the place. But, but, what, but, but whatever. this is it's, from the testimony. It's fun to joke about that our kids were the kids that got did the well. Test well. Yeah. But this, is, <laughs> this information is coming from the person who leads this other ministry yeah. and was curious about our ministry and wondering what we're doing because our students did so well on the Bible test. Yeah. But then finding out what they do... They only get in the Bible really once a month. Yeah. 
And so that's the kind of stuff that needs to be corrected because some of these kids grow up in youth group for, you know, six years and they rarely ever get in the Bible. Mm. So their understanding of church and of ministry and of all these things is like, I don't know, fun, hangout time, uh, you know, maybe we throw up a prayer, we say Christian things, but we never really like yeah, get just, in the word or, or challenge. Surface, fluffy, yeah. kind of not serious. Right. And so I think that now the other error could be there. Like, let's just move to the other side of just like ministries that are just so focused on like Bible memorization. Mm-hmm. We're just going to memorize like the whole book of Philippians and Romans and Psalms or whatever. We're just going to memorize scripture and force our kids to memorize scripture as if Bible memorization saves or knowledge. It doesn't, it doesn't save. Um, so I, but nothing is as surely not going to save anyone. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) that's what I'm saying. Like we don't want to vaccinate people to the gospel and thinking, well, because I'm a part of this program or because I went to this school or because I was a part of this group or whatever, that that's what makes someone a Christian because then they'll grow up and be like, how come I was never taught these things? Mm. How come I never heard about this part of the Christian message, you know? And anyway, we just, we want to be in that balance of like not focusing too much on a program or memorization or whatever it is to try and save. And, And at the same time, we can't do nothing like, and just make it all fun and games yeah. Um, we want to make it a fun place where we can all grow healthily and in, and in relationships under the word. Not yeah. just for kids, but for adults too. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where the discussions and the life groups are so helpful. Yep. Um, but also like you just reminded me of a conversation that I had with the students in one of our small groups. It was like a middle school kids. And yeah. I was just trying to bring these things out as we we're talking about this passage. Like what makes somebody a Christian? And yeah. there's somebody's like, well, the, the morals are something that's good. And I was like, okay, yeah, with Christianity comes good morals and behavior. But would you guys say that's make somebody a Christian? And they're like, no. I was like, have you guys ever known people who say they're Christians, don't live like it? Do you believe they're Christians? They're like, absolutely not. I was like, then what makes somebody a Christian? So it's just like challenging this idea. Like we come to Jesus for so many different things. We think it's those who are good are Christians or those who are in community are Christians or whatever. Are those things true? Usually, but that's not what makes them right. that Christian. Yeah. This true belief. Totally. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Uh, there's, there's so much more in this passage <laughs> there's too. There's so much. Oh, dude, there is. There's a lot to get run around. Well, I, the other thing I was thinking about, cause we're, we've been talking a lot about how hard it is to reach the Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones who's fam- the one who's familiar, right? The one who quote unquote Christian. Yeah. But the other facet of this is like the, the, the outspoken atheist who is like, I'm not going to believe in anything. Like I've never seen God. I've never seen this. I've never seen that. And, and I'm not going to believe in anything unless I see something, you know? Um, cause I think there's a, that person is also kind of addressed in this passage where Jesus says, unless you see signs, you won't believe, you know, mm-hmm. and then connecting that with, with Thomas later on. Now, Thomas obviously believed in God and, uh, believed in a Messiah. There was a lot of things he believed in. He wasn't, he wasn't like Ricky Gervais, you know, that 
outspoken comedian atheist guy who's really just a mocker of of any religion or any sort of faith out there. He's just like a you know claims to not believe in God and therefore not believe in anything. But that's kind of his thing is like there's no evidence for it. There's no evidence. I don't see anything mm. that would prove to me this and you know the Bible is just kind of a joke. And I mean the more I listen to him and have heard him say these kinds of things, it's pretty obvious that he doesn't want to see it. Mm. He doesn't want to, even if you provided him with some form of like evidence that would lead to a conclusion, Mm. he would just explain it away as something else. And, and that obviously is what Paul talked about in Romans chapter one. It's a suppression of the truth. Like they just don't want to know it. Um, And that's, I think what Jesus is getting out here, you know, this generation they just want to see signs and they'll ne- and really there's never enough hmm. if that's the your thing it's they'll never be enough um you'll there'll always be some explanation even even the cross and resurrection right it's like he rose again from the grave all these people saw him uh 500 people saw him at once paul talked about in corinthians i mean all these people saw him eyewitness testimony yeah. is enough to basically say someone's guilty or not guilty. I mean, it's two witnesses is enough to say that's, that is a factual truth that happened. But if you have 500 people all saying they saw the resurrected Christ, not enough evidence for this guy. And I think that's, that's an issue of what faith is. Um, I, I was tempted to use this illustration, but I knew it would fail with like, let's say I took someone elk hunting. They've never seen an elk. They don't know what an elk is. And I'm like, dude, it's this massive animal. They have antlers, blah, blah, blah. Here, let's go. Go with me. <laughs> and I, 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 got, I start walking and I see in the ground a track uh, uh, of their feet. And I'm like, hey, that's, that's, a, that's an elk track right there. Nah, I think that's a pine cone. <laughs> like hit the grass. See the trees above us? Okay, cool. But do you notice how all of these tracks are all in like this convenient row? See how they're all moving down this trail? Well, I mean, there's a lot of trees. Maybe they just coincidentally just all fell in a row together. Okay, well, what are these droppings right here? I mean, that could have been, maybe the soil got moist last night or something and just formed this weird thing. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And then it bugles out real loud, this loud scream from the elk. I don't know, man. Maybe that's like some horn out there. or Some trees are rubbing together from the wind. You know, if anyone wants to do that, they can just explain it away even though all of the evidence is there for the existence of this animal. Mm. And that's just kind of what people do, I think, with the existence of God, the creation, his word, the historical reality of the people of God, Israel, the church, testimonies, all of these things still doesn't matter. None of it is proof enough to say that God exists and that he's real and working in the lives of people. Mm. And But that's just where people are. And that's why I think Jesus kind of made this point. Signs aren't enough for you. If you won't believe with the word, then you're not you're not going to believe from a sign. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a good challenge to people who want those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was struck by it. I was listening to some people speak about um, it was a story, and they were explaining they were applying uh, like uh, the principles of evolution to uh, like human history, explaining where religion came from. Okay. Like it was basically like, you know, when, you know, when you're at a tiny group of people and, you know, a dude steals your wheelbarrow, you just look over there and go, 
John didn't have a wheelbarrow yesterday. Now he has a wheelbarrow. I don't have my wheelbarrow. John stole it, right? Yeah. And then as like societies grew over time, then like all of a sudden you can't keep track of everybody. Who's stealing things? And that's how like a society that had a belief in some sort of God that told people not to steal, that society would thrive Wow. And would move forward, and that society, that a uh, society that valued that had this, you know, weird belief in marriage and producing kids, they would grow and they would go to war and they'd beat another society. And over time, these different uh, religious practices and religious rules would cause societies to become bigger and greater. And so you could just kind of track why religion came to be. Sure. You know, wow. Like you know, I remember just thinking like. Uh, okay, like, I guess that's an explanation. Yeah, Talk for about, how religion came about. Yeah, Talk that's about a, that's an on there. that's an explanation. You know, like, but it's. I mean, it just reminds me of that. That like, you can decide to, you can decide any reason why to believe or not to believe. Yeah, um, and it's just gonna come down to real sincere faith mm-hmm. yeah and it's i heard the same thing with students when they're like about how you know what should i believe in the bible or not you know why like how can we how can we be sure we should believe in the bible and it's like dude i i can't give you proof beyond the yeah. shadow of a doubt there's tons of reason to believe in the bible let's talk about them but none of them are going to be yep. proof beyond uh beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is for sure guaranteed exactly what you should believe but do you have faith in it? Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody say something similar, like, you're never going to have 100% proof of Christianity. Give them the blanket illustration. What's the blanket? No, I don't <laughs> even know it. You guys were the ones saying it. No, Cody said it. Oh, that's right. Uh, I mean, it, was, it has yeah. nothing to do with what I'm going to say not, at all. Not, yeah. <laughs> I've been but, watching Dead Poet Society. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> you're never going to be able to prove it 100%, but the greatest argument why somebody should believe in Christianity or the greatest proof you can have is that lives are changed. Mm. That's the most tangible evidence we will have of why Christianity is like works Yeah, yeah. because lives have changed. And if you knew these people before and you know them after you really see the change. Mm. Yeah. That's how important like the Christian Christians themselves are to this kingdom work because they're the proof. Yeah. Mm. And and that mm. that was true in the first century. It was true in the first it century. Was, it was the truest proof in the first century. It's like mm. this guy, Paul, that guy was Saul and mm-hmm. the persecutor. Of the, like, how did that guy convert? Right. And but going back to Cody's statement earlier, I love your Christ. I don't love your Christians. Mm. That now in many ways, it's become the undermining yeah. factor of the gospel is people who claim to be Christians, but they're not. They stink. Well, or they're just not Christians. They're cultural Christians, and they pretend they play at Christianity, but they're probably not. Or maybe that they are, but they've they've never really been discipled, and Mm -hmm. so they're not good at it. And, I mean, but there's... That's certainly, like, for me, I appeal to several things for the existence of God, which is creation. Mm -hmm. Something... Like, how did all this get here? Like, yep. it's just basic logic. Something put this here. Um, I was listening. Do you guys listen to Neil deGrasse? 
or DeGrasse or whatever. Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes, Tyson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like a, a astrologist or something like that. He's like yeah, and, a, and a total smart aleck basically is what he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he like, he, and he just rambles off like facts as if like everybody agrees on it. But he, <laughs> I was listening to something from him today and he was like, we know that man originated in Africa. And I'm like, as a Christian, I would fully agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I would fully I agree know. with that. Yeah. Originated from Adam and Eve. He would argue, you know, <laughs> came from some slime out of the ocean or out of some lake and then evolved into some creature, but it all happened in Africa. And But he's tracing it from sort of like a humanitarian sort of his, history of like how things spread over time mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'm like, all, you literally just argued for the Eden story and a, and a historic Adam. <laughs> yeah. Um, so creation is one. Uh, the scriptures are another. Um, the people of Israel is a proof for the existence of God, mm. not just historic Israel, but even present Israel. I think that these people still exist. Obviously the historical truth about Jesus proves who yeah. God, that God is. And as you just said, transformed lives. How can you explain this, mm-hmm. that God is, he's still at work in people's lives, not just in creating the world and Israel and Christ, but even people today. And I think you could still appeal to that. Problem is, is it's hard to find a really good Christian out there. Hmm. I didn't know, a, I didn't know a Christian yeah. until I, until I turned 20. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I had met some people who claim to be Christians, sure, but I had never met a Christian where their faith was real and actually working for them. Yeah. And it's, it's on the church to yep. be those people. To be out in the world, yep. to be meeting these people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually, I looked it up. That was the rest of the Gandhi quote was, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ, <laughs> wow. which is like, but but again, like Gandhi obviously didn't know really Christ because Gandhi wasn't a Christian. That's right. And if you're not a Christian and you know all of the teachings of Christ, then uh, you don't like him very much. <laughs> right. Because he's True. crazy. He calls you out. <laughs> he's yeah. a crazy person who thinks he's God, right? Yeah if, yeah. if you don't believe in him as, you know, fully saving Christian belief. Anyways, we're, we're getting, getting a little long, long. dude. Yeah. We're getting a little long. Let's do this one. Oh. Volunteer of the week. And our volunteer of the week is Danelle Chase. Woo! Oh, dang Yes. Danelle was our very first ever in the history, in the 130-year history of Canby Christian Church. She was the first volunteer to man our little bookstore. <laughs> Man, yeah, get woman. it right. To woman our bookstore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> our bookstore, our book nook, our book uh, stall, however you want to call it. It's a small room with books for sale. Uh, but we appreciate her uh, being willing to jump in there and to make that a thing with the resources that we want to have available uh, for people to get quickly. Uh, so check out that bookstore. But more than that, thank Danelle for volunteering in that way and wanting to make sure that that ministry happens. And thank her for who she is, uh, the the personality, the spirit that she brings to the church. Uh, she, she has been here for 
a long, long time too. So make sure you appreciate her and congratulate her on being the volunteer of the week. Now, I think it's time for Bible trivia right now. And I think Aaron has something good in store for us. He seemed excited about something he had over there. Well, (laughs) now that you say that, the, the theme the category is not to be taken seriously. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I get it. A little playful. It's like <laughs> these questions are are a joke that's going to lead to something else. That's like, oh, okay, I see what they did. I'll give you an example. Okay, I have okay, no okay. idea. First, <laughs> okay. first one. I'm excited now. This is going to be fun. What book of the Bible mentions a baseball player who hit ten home runs? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, I actually. Wait, a baseball player who hit... What book of the Bible mentions a baseball player who hit 10 home hit runs? 10 home runs. It's They're literally like, the answers are the jokes? Yes. Yes. I have I'm no... A, I'm leaning toward Genesis. I don't know the home run thing, but I know people do the, like, uh, in the big inning. Mm. Like, the, okay, oh, that like, kind of stuff. Big inning, like, beginning, got it. Um, but you're not, you're I not don't know the this. 10 home uh, runs thing. Give us, a, give us a guess, Nathan. I have no idea. Okay, in, in Numbers 11. <laughs> Numbers 11. The verse says this, he that gathered least gathered 10 homers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what version of that, KJV? What um, Okay, so we didn't. Number four. <laughs> we didn't get that one. Number okay. What animal could Noah not trust? Oh, geez. this is so easy. What animal could Noah not trust? I mean, is a, is this is like, a total joke. This it, is a dad joke. It's not the so. Is. It's not like the serpent. No, it's a it's a dad joke. It's a, he couldn't trust him. He could, what animal could Noah not trust? He couldn't trust him because it's like a lying animal. Oh, a, oh yeah, that's it. It's got to be a lion. Uh, <laughs> or. or a cheetah. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice. oh we were my close. Gosh. We were so close. Did we get lion? It was lion part of it? Or? No, it was no. just cheetah. Oh. Um, I think lion's better. Uh, <laughs> all right, let me see on. here. The Out cheetah. Of, I don't know what the answer is to this one. Which burns longer, a candle under a bushel or one on a hill? What burns longer, the one under the bushel? Or the one on a hill. Is, I it, don't is this know like a reason. long answer? This it's one's like stupid. This one, <laughs> it's the bush. Is it the one under the bushel because the bushel? Okay, okay, on fire? better, be, better. This is a better one. What kind oh, of light? I'm curious. Oh, wait, are you gonna give us the answer? <laughs> I know. The, the answer was uh, neither. Both get shorter. I'm like, what does that even mean? Oh, candles. Okay, this oh, is the last my one. Gosh, last one. <laughs> what kind of lights did Noah use on the ark? What kind of lights. Come on kind of lights were they uh i have a feeling if dave howard is in here he would get this one <laughs> kind of lights light is, it is like there like a electrics a, bugs what are those what, what the are fireflies those? Fire, is it fireflies <laughs> uh kind of lights i mean i'm is there a animal that has lights in the name <laughs> like a lantern bulb i'm guessing he used <laughs> bulb, bulb. <laughs> two seconds edison oh man i give up i'm okay. gonna go he i think he probably used some sort of lantern okay I have but no that's idea. not funny. They're floodlights. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> We're going. Yep. Actually, this is full dad joke mode. I actually liked the candle one a little. 
The candles don't burn longer, they burn shorter. shorter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually kind of like that har. one. Those were good, dude. Not to be taken seriously. <laughs> nice. And neither should we. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.